Hello and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and the secret ingredient to my potato salad is sour cream. This chat features Mike Karen, a seasoned Nickelodeon live action director who most recently dived into the world of live action and animation mix directing with Paramount Plus's Fairly Odd Parents. Fairly Otter. Mike is most well known for his work on Game Shakers and Henry Danger, and in this chat he shares how he worked his way up from being an actor on The Young and the Restless to becoming a Nickelodeon producer and director. He's also going to share some behind the scenes into the unique pipeline they created for the live action animation mix on Fairly Otter, as well as the unique technique to get the actors interacting with the animated characters in the most dynamic ways possible. But first, this episode is sponsored by Hue, makers of colorful plug-and-play cameras for learning, work, and play. Originally designed for teachers, Hue cameras can also be used for creative activities such as capturing hand-drawn pencil tests and shooting behind-the-scenes footage, time-lapse videos, and stop-motion animation. The cameras have flexible, posable necks, manual focus controls, and they're compatible with Dragon Frame, OBS, Twitch, Zoom, and many other creative apps. Visit HueHD.com to learn more and follow at Hue Cameras on social media for news, fun, and giveaways. And as I've been saying for the last couple episodes, for a limited time only, search for the Hue HD Pro Camera on Amazon.com and use code 10TerryAIP to get 10% off. And that code is valid until July 19th, 2020, which is actually next Tuesday. So if you're thinking of buying a Hue camera, go check one out immediately uh, because this code is only valid valid for another week. I've included all the details to that in the description of this chat, so please check it out. And now, without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Mike. How's it going today? Hello. Hello. Nice to, uh, nice to meet you. I've been yeah. a fan of, the, uh, of your podcast, and um, uh, I'm excited to be here. When my, when my publicist uh, let me know about it, I was like, oh, man, that, I'm, I'm down. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wow. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, fan of your work too. You know, you're a Nickelodeon staple at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, a Nickelodeon staple. Nickelodeon I guess that. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I'll take that. Yeah. What would you What would you describe it? What, what, I don't know. It's funny. It just caught me funny. A Nickelodeon staple. I've I've done so many. It, it's in this business. It's you, whenever you hear that you're actually been a part of something for as long as you have. Sometimes you're like, wow, because by definition, our business is so you kind of jump around so much that yeah. at times I look back and go, uh, you know, I remember when I first got to the town, I, you know, there'd be these um, older, you know, professionals and they'd be like, ah, oh, kid, I've been in this business 25 years, 23 years, 20 years. And I'd be like, man, that is, that's a long time. Well, I'm sitting here saying the same thing and I'm like, wow, oh my gosh, I have been in this business a long time. So uh, I guess it's, it's, uh, it's really nice to hear you're a staple of anything. So yeah, well, um, congratulations on that. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm super interested to chat with you because, you, you know, well, with Nickelodeon specifically, you know, they have the whole animation side and then they have the whole live action side and you're a live action guy, but now you're crossing over to animation, but, but you know, but you, you know, with the new show, Fairly Odd Parents, um, uh, sorry, Fairly Odder. Fairly odd. We're fairly odd. We're, we're not. We're not just odd. We're just. We're just fairly odd. Just. Just on this side of it. <laughs> but I, before we get into that, you know, I just want to know how you got into directing in the first place. All these TV shows and everything, because you started off, if I recall correctly, from what I read, were you an actor on The Young and the Restless? I, I, I was an out. actor on The Young and the Restless. So, um, 
I, you know, we talked a little bit before this started about um, everyone's journey into Hollywood. And I suppose anyone's journey in any business, but Hollywood, you know, if, if a corporate America or a corporate job is defined as you start in a mailroom and then you go to this, you know, it's a very linear path or it can be Hollywood um, ain't <laughs> you can go from a to M back to C over to J, you know, it's a very nonlinear path. So um, yes, when I came out here, uh, I wanted to be an actor. It's all I wanted to do as a kid. And, you know, when I went to, um, I went to high school, I did all the school plays there. And then when I went to college, University of Missouri, um, I, 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 I kind of got away from it for a little bit because I thought I would, uh, I would get a degree in journalism, which is what Mizzou's known for, because I thought, well, let me get <laughs> a real degree just in case this acting stuff doesn't work. And by the my time my sophomore year hit, I just I couldn't I just couldn't stay away from it and had to just sort of be what I wanted to be. And the day I got into the journalism school at Mizzou, I called my parents and I was like, I can't, I don't want to go to journalism school. I, just, I want to get a theater degree and I want to act. And you know, and my parents were lovely and wonderful. And to this day, I still thank them for not, you know, I mean, now granted, my father was a little like, um, now are you sure? But you know what? We never looked back. So. Um, yeah. So I graduated, packed up the car and drove to Hollywood and stood underneath the Hollywood sign and said, all right, who wants me? How did that, so you packed up your car and drove to Hollywood and literally stood under the sign? (laughs) How did that feel? Did you you feel like super, you know, excited on top of the world or like super scared? What what am I doing? Oh my God, you're 21 years old. You're, you're, you think the that's that's you that's your mountain to conquer i mean you have no fear you know which is which is wonderful about being that age and doing something like that um so no it felt it felt great it felt right let's put it that way like i felt like okay everything i've been doing this is the right call and you know like every actor you try to get your agent you send out you know and back in that day you would i remember sitting on my apartment floor with all my manila envelopes and my head shot my resumes and writing out the address and you just you actually mailed off your resume i mean believe it or not and got a call from an agent and they took me and uh auditioned for young and restless and i i got the part um, pretty quickly uh, about a year into it um about a year oh my into goodness. it the thing so about a hollywood from, a year from standing under the hollywood sign <laughs> getting your first your first gig yeah, what I mean, keep, what keeps like you going I said, now it's not year. Like, you know, you're like super. Did you feel super discouraged, or like they haven't discovered me yet, or like I got to keep trying and putting myself out there? And here's the, the, at least for me, the misnomer was this. I thought as an actor, a young actor, you arrived in Hollywood and you you struggled from bit part to bit part. The headline being, you just kept booking bit part to bit part until you got your big break. Yeah. Well, that's not the way it goes. You struggle from audition to audition to audition and pray to the heavens that you get a bit part. And then hopefully the bit, you know, it's a numbers game, you know, for every hundred auditions, hopefully you book one or two of them. Um, and that's what I did. I auditioned for a ton of stuff and, um, and uh, I loved soap operas. My mom watched them growing up. And of course I got hooked on, I was a days of our lives guy um, through high school and college. So I always thought soaps would be a blast to do. You know, I just, I love the storytelling, uh, you know, the drama. And, um, and I booked a part and um, I wasn't like a lead part. There was an actor named Eddie Cibrian who um, uh, was the lead 
he was a lead of, of that particular storyline. And he was up against Victor Newman's son. And this other guy and I were his best friends. So we were always like, like the exposition of the episode, you know, telling what Eddie was up to or, you know, what, you know, ruthless things he was pulling on the kid. And um, it was about a year and a half run, uh, not quite two years, about a year and a half. And it was, I loved it. I mean, I, I didn't have to work at, I worked at Barnes and Noble in the stock room to pay the bills, pay the rent. And for the first time, I didn't have to do that. I could, I lived like an actor and it was glorious. Absolutely glorious. Amazing. So, okay. So you had this dream of becoming an actor. You go to theater school, you arrive in Hollywood, you struggle from audition to audition, you get your a break a year in, and then you're good for a year and a half. How do you end up, you know, maybe you can fast forward a bit. How do you end up from this like acting, uh, you know, journey and staying within that to, to ending up, what, what happened to get your first directing gig in TV? Um, it's, it, it, that takes an amazingly long time to go up that. Now to get up that hill, directing is, I believe it's the accumulation of a lot of, I mean, I didn't go to film school. So it's not like I popped out of a film school, like a USC, yeah. UCLA, Chapman. And just it instant, instantly know that that's what I wanted to do. So to answer your question, the, the shortest version of it is, you know, you get to a point as an actor where you realize, okay, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make a career out of this. I just met my wife and I, you know, I wanted a, you know, a family. And, you know, and of course you're thinking, you know, how do you make money and support yourself? That's all part of the business. And um, uh, long story short, I took a job. Um, I had auditioned for a show called Passions and that producer on that show had worked on Young and a Restless. Um, stage manager is a position on a soap opera that you run the stage, you get notes from the director who's in the booth hmm. and um, you kind of run the whole thing. Um, that stage manager got fired. Uh, this producer knew that I had a, just a job in the warehouse there and said, well, what if, what, what about Mike Karen? I mean, he was an actor on soaps. This might be um, a good fit as a stage manager. So next thing I know, I'm standing on a stage. I'm in the Director's Guild of America, and I am now running a soap opera stage. And I, as scared as I was about, look, in the beginning, it's a job. You know, you, you're, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a great job in the Director's Guild and all these great things. But the job's hard. And you get out there, and, but I, mentally and emotionally fell in love with it. Yeah. I loved being on that side of the camera and now not only being able to scratch your acting itch, so to speak, because you're engaging with actors all day, but you're also now a part, if not leading how it's going to look and how the background cross. And, you know, the director would give me a note in my ear and I'd have to, sometimes the director would be like, yeah, just tell him to just, bah, 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 bah. and I'd be standing there like I'm talking to you going, you know, we think it'd be really good maybe if you just moved over here and maybe that line you gave a little more. So you you learned basic skill sets on how to kind of do that. And um, a stage manager position, sometimes different people would come in and um, rotate. And one of a uh, dear friend of mine, uh, Terry, um, did that. She called me one day and said, hey, listen, uh, we have an opening at this a lovely little uh, kid show um, about these two brothers. Uh, on Nickelodeon. And I went, oh, Nickelodeon. Okay. Yeah. And I go, what's it called? And she goes, it's called Drake and Josh. And I went, oh, I don't think I've heard of that, but it sounds lovely. And I went there and uh, never left. 
<laughs> so, so there you go. So I went to Drake and Josh as an AD and Drake and Josh led to victorious victorious wow. led, or Drake and Josh led to Zoe. Zoe led to iCarly. iCarly led to victorious victorious led to Sam and cat. Sam and cat led to Henry danger. Henry danger led to game shakers, game shakers, Henry danger led to danger force. Danger force led to fairly odd parents. That's and insane. <laughs> so voila. Okay, I, I guess I, I forced you to fast forward, but I want to rewind a bit. So essentially you kind of went to directing school, but it was on, it was on, it was as a job as like that first yes. stage manager set thing. Correct. Correct. Wow. And that's where I learned the technical skills of, you know, how cameras work and, you know, and, and soap operas are shot with four cameras. It's multi-camera, yeah. which is a very different um, uh, process than a single camera. So, um, you know, most of the stuff that you did, even when I was in college, just doing student films. And when you first come to LA, you answer ads from USC students or whatever to do their films. And that's all single camera, but the, the four camera to me was like, wow. I mean, that's, you know, you got four cameras and how to, how to know how to edit and line cut. And it's like a boot camp, you know, it really was, it was, it was a boot camp. And, um, but I really, I just took to it. I really, it was a, the beginning of my aha moment about what I wanted to do when I grow right. up. Well, you said you mentally fell in love with it, but you know, it sounds like a, a kind of grueling job to start as just from an actor to go right into that. You know, what kept you going through that? Because at the same time, like when you go to school, you're learning shot composition and all yeah. the filmography and stuff like that. Were you also trying to like brush up the, on this all on the side by like self-studying or just learning through who you're working with? And then also like, you know, thriving in that role and doing a good enough job that people were like, oh, dang, Mike is, Mike is our guy, you know? <laughs> Thank God they thought that. Um, you know what? It's, um, that's a really good question. It, you know, when you, uh, growing up and always watching movies and loving movies. And then when I went to college, I, I was the type of kid that um, I played sports my whole life. I was a baseball player. And I, so I, I umpired all the times where I'm going with this. So during the summers, I'd come home and I'd umpire, but I was the kid that after I got done umpiring my games, I ran down to the local theater for a buck and I just, I just watched movies nonstop. And if I didn't do that, I'd go to the local, you know, blockbuster and just rent movies and watch, 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 watch. So what would happen is, as I was learning the different skills on stage, I would have these moments of, ah, that's how they must've done that in that movie. Or, uh, you know, and of course now all of us, I mean, I don't know about you, but anytime a movie comes out on uh, Blu-ray or, you know, digitally released, I, I go to the behind the scenes like that because I want to see how they do it because now everything's so big and, and complicated. Um, so you learn on the fly a little bit and, but you, but you've got to be open to learning. Um, you know, for all of our listeners right now who are, you know, that are, are trying to get in the industry or in the industry, or they're studying it, you've got to be open to learn not only from the books and from what you're, you're studying, but, but people that have done it, you know, people, are amazingly generous with um, tips and ideas if you if you if you're open enough to hear them. Um, and I was. I, I asked everybody. I had no problem standing on that stage and going, "Look, everybody, I get it. I just sort of landed here, and but I'm going to do the best I can. I will listen to everybody, and and I did. And you you know, you get better, you know, that's totally. how it works. I can tell you're super passionate about this just as it's coming across and just going to the theater every day and just watching stuff. I'm wondering, you know, from a different perspective, like when somebody's looking for an opportunity to bring on a director, what, what makes them think of you uh, and say yes to you? Like, you know, cause obviously, I, you know, there's tons of people who want to get into oops, directing yeah. and whatnot, but uh, what makes you come top of mind to them? I, I, 
I hope it's what you said. I, I mean, I, I, I am passionate about what I do. I, I, I love what I do. Um, and what I love about what I do is, and I'll, I'll I mentioned earlier, I'm a, I'm a sports guy by, you know, playing sports my whole life. I love the team like that. That's always what appealed to me about sports is what appeals to me about watching sports. And of course, as I got into movies, understanding how they're made, I very quickly understood that you know, the cliche about a chain is only as strongest as its weakest link. Did I say that right? Is that the way it goes? Yeah. 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 Strongest as the weakest link as weak as the strongest link. (laughs) Yes. That's it. I don't know. Well, anyway, but the point being is everybody on that stage is just as important as the other. And I know it's easy to say, well, but what about the cast? What about, oh yeah. Intuitively? Yes. I know you have to have the cast, but once everyone's there, you need to all be on the same page and bring everyone's there for one purpose and that's to make the show as as good as it can be and if you can get everybody from a directorial point of view inspired to Mm. want to do that i mean look everyone's there to make their money me included actors included that's what you know it's just the way it goes but at the point of paycheck and then that next step the inspiration the the, you know, we've got 10 minutes left on the kids. Everyone needs to be on their A game and running around doing it. What makes them do that? And I, I take the responsibility of being a director and is the in charge of that. Oh, so serious because that's, that's what I, I I do. And I want other people to, to do that as well and, and know that they're appreciated in doing that. I mean, it's, these are a team effort, these things. So how do you do that as a director? You know, I've been on various projects where the director is lovely and everybody feels super passionate and inspired and to, to work with this person and they get everybody rallied up. And I've also worked on projects where, you know, people are talking behind the scenes about, you know, this or that and the drama or whatnot. Like, how do you, because <laughs> you're, you're dealing with so many people, you know, and as a director yeah. and you want this show to be the best it can be. How do you rally everybody up to that one purpose? Like, that's super tough. I... I call it, uh, my stages are a democracy, <laughs> meaning everybody has a voice, hopefully, yeah. you know, um, or I, that's what I try to do. Everyone has a voice and a good friend of mine, um, an assistant director that I work with, uh, Robin Pratt, she always has this great saying, she's like, everyone can be a hero at any moment. Anyone can be the hero. And she's so mm-hmm. right. I mean, it could literally be, you know, sometimes you're, you're trying to get something done and there's this chaos. And then literally it could be, I don't know the, 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 the school teacher, the, the, the actor's teacher, or someone walks by and goes, you know, in that last take, I don't think that the chair was over there. And all of a sudden everyone goes, Oh my God, it's all right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And albeit that's a tiny little detail and whatever, but the, that's what it's all about. Anyone yeah. can be a hero at any moment. So, and what I say by democracy, especially when it comes to actors, especially child, uh, children, young adult actors, um, I love to hear their ideas um, when it comes to doing something. Um, I will listen to anyone's idea. At the end of the day, as the director, you're the one that ultimately has to call the play and, you know, hike the ball, if you will, another sports metaphor. But, But getting to that point, I'll listen to everyone's contribution on how to make that play the best it can be. Um, I, I, I find it, Certainly there's more autonomous directors than others, meaning they, you know, they have a very specific vision and, um, and that's okay too. I'm not, you know, there's all roads lead to Rome, but, um, but that's the way 
at least I come to it, you know. I love that actually. I mean, like I've worked, you know, as as a cog in the wheel on on projects you that you also love. You want to bring your ideas and make things better, and it it feels. I know what it's like to feel super valued when, you know, the director or other people hear your idea and, and actually like, yeah. you know, even if they don't take it, but they're still considering it as part of the overall vision. Like it's, it's really great. And I think, I think even what you said, you know, a teacher walks by and the chair's out of place. Like, you know, if you weren't open to hearing that, you would look at it later and be like, why did nobody tell me the chair's out of place? Well, well and you know, the person that, didn't and feel comfortable telling you. <laughs> and that's exactly it. And that's my friend, Robin. I mean, anyone can be the hero at any given time and there's no, there's no, you know, ego to it. That has nothing to do with the, the set dresser missed something. Poor Rick is our set dresser, Rick Cohen. He's running around dealing with a thousand things. I mean, you know, and we're all human. Yeah. You know, you, our business, what makes it so much fun when people talk about, oh, I got show business is so fun. It is the humanity of everyone enjoying this very intimate experience on a stage, uh, you know, working together. For, for this thing, you know, we, I stand on that stage sometimes 16 back on the soap opera, we 17 hours, 17 hours. Sometimes you'd be standing with all these people. How can you not form a band of uh, sisters and brothers? You know, I mean, it's, it's the yeah, way it, yeah. you know, I mean, you, I you love that you have it. this mentality because, you know, not everybody does. And even, even, you know, I suspect when you said like the director's yelling in your ear and you're just filtering through <laughs> the, the actors like, Oh, move slightly to the left. I suspect oh, you have some just, experience. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> it was. I tell you, there is. I mean, it's been so long, but man, I, we had this one director. He was just a screamer, right? He just screams, screams, scream. And I mean, just in my ear, and I'd have to turn down my little belt pack because oh I didn't want the actor yeah. to hear the director screaming. So I'd turn it down. It, oh, it's just it's smoke and mirrors, you know, smoke and mirrors. I love that. So let's let's talk about Fairly Odd Parents. You know, this is your yes. first, your first animated. Well, it's live action animated fusion. But I'm yes. wondering, you know, all your experience on. And soap operas and and tv shows and everything i'm assuming you're gonna have to take a complete you've had to take a completely different approach with creating something that has to have animation on top of it and and you know changing even the style I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell me you know what are some of the top things that you had to change to make it to make live action kind of fuse with animation and make it you know a seamless experience for both the pipeline and the viewer at the end of the day i in full disclosure, I have ne I have never done animation until this show. I, I I've never, you know, I had no experience, if you will, um, working on. I mean, I've heard, you know, being with Nickelodeon all these years. Obviously, I knew of the shows, but I, I and more or less from, I knew a lot of actors that did the voice talent, you know, and so that's yeah. kind of how that was. My so you're never just walking through the animation department, and uh... <laughs> no, but I'll tell you this: the Nickelodeon animation building is awesome. It is the coolest. You talk about the most fun. I mean, you're like, your next project, can I just do hundred percent animation? Let's get rid of it. Oh my God. It's so cool. Cause it's so, it's so, um, I, I hate that it's so creative, but it really is. I mean, cause it's all so back to, back to that, your question yeah. when, um, dear friend of mine and who I've worked with for a long time, Chris Nowak, um, Chris, uh, you know, he created danger force, the show that I also direct and produce on, um, and just uber talented. Chris can tell a story like nobody else. And Nickelodeon basically had asked him, we have the Fairly Odd Parents franchise. Is this something you and your team uh, can do? We want to, you know, we want to do the amalgamation of live action and animation. So as Chris was walking me through it, I, 
because I didn't have as much experience in the animation part in my brain, I was like, okay, well, the animation will be what the animation is going to be. That is going to be computer generated and drawn and, and they're going to do what they're going to do. And I, I keyed in on the live action. Okay. I've got my kids and I've got, you know, the, this town of Dimsdale. Well, very quickly, what you realize is, you know, our first day of rehearsal or just talking with the kids, they were like, okay, well, where's Cosmo and Wanda going to be? Where's Jorgen von Strongel going to be? How do I, you know? And I'd be like, well, they're, that's a really good question. And it yeah. dawned on me very fast how, you know, I think actors these days are, are getting more and more used to acting on a green screen, right? That, you know, I mean, as far back as George Lucas in the prequels, I remember Sam Jackson going, I don't know, man, I was looking at a green screen, just like waving, waving my lightsaber and later the magic would be done. But with the kids and for it to look right, we, I needed to come up very quickly with a, a solution to giving them something to act with. Yeah. You know, it's a, that's a tall tale just to say, okay, look over there and, you know, act and someone off camera is reading Cosmo Wanda's line. What you're saying right now reminds me of like watching, I think it's Pete's Dragon, that Disney film, like when I was a kid yes. and, and the kid's eyeline is all, and never even, <laughs> he's never looking at the dragon. He's always just looking somewhere yes. off. And it just broke, like even as like, I don't know, a 10 year old kid, it just broke the whole experience <laughs> for me where it just didn't feel real at all because the kids, ne they're never looking at each other. <laughs> well, and you just said it, you, you know, as you watch, we're such a smart audience the movie going audience is so smart now because of all those behind the scenes right we we know how things get done yeah we yeah. apparently know the dragon ain't real dragons don't exist the dragon is a green screen computer generated thing but you still need to you know do it to the point where the audience even the 10 year olds immerse themselves into it without going well, why are they looking over there when the last frame the dragon was over here? You know, yeah. you, you have to be really good. You have to be very, um, very aware of all that. So what I did was our production designer, Tristan Daly, the oh, the oh so brilliant Tristan Daly. I got together with him and I was like, look, can I have a cardboard cutout of all of the animated creatures? And can it be like on a some type of retracting device that it can move and do what it's going to do? And I went with that idea to Chris um, and the other um, co-executive producer, Sam Martin, and they doubled down and were like, well, you know what? We, and we all got together and said, well, we also need real actors. Like we, cause the rhythm of the scene, like later when we got uh, Cosmo and Wanda, Dean <coughs> and their voices. Yeah. Um, Hello, pause. Yes, yes. yes I'm the good. Rhythm, pause. The rhythm, <laughs> the rhythm of the scene had to be uh, correct, right? So, yeah. so that being said, um, we hired uh, these two amazing actresses, Dre Swain and Jen Cater, and our special effects department built them a rig so that their script could sit on a metal rig in front of them and they could have their hands to then be in the scene, ah. move the animated pieces around, but still have the script in front of them. So it wasn't like, you know, a, a thousand props in their hands trying to do this. And again, look at that team effort to do that. Ideas from the director, the executive producers, the production designer, the special effects. Clark James is like, well, you know, I can build them this. That's a great idea, Clark. And the next thing you know, all these people get this idea. And now we know how to move forward. And the yeah. actors, Tyler and Audrey, um, who have the most interaction with the, uh, the, the fairies, now they're acting with real people. And I do believe that's the key. Um, to what we were doing with the amalgamation of animation and live action. Because now when I shot, like when actually we called action and rolled the cameras, I couldn't have the fairies there. 
you know, because you can't, you can't, but that being said, because we rehearsed two days with all that, all that their muscle memory built up that to your point, the eyeline, they knew where Cosmo and Wanda were. The wait, cameraman. Wait, wait. So, so when you're practicing, you have these cardboard cutouts and the actor interacting with them. And then for the final shot, you remove the cardboard cutouts. Correct. They and cannot and, be there. And not, oh, wow. Because I, I would still think that there would be like a disconnect between where somebody's looking or they just think, you know, they're just looking in the space where they're usually looking. No, but that's interesting. No, uh, also, a random memory. question. You know, from an animation pipeline, the storyboards are locked, you know, the the puppets are tied down, et cetera, et cetera. And like the animation is super locked and just like it's followed it and it's everything's cut before you animate. Like it's it's done. But with live action, you know, ha- <laughs> I guess in, what I'm asking well, is, how integrated locked are the storyboards with the animation in the live action? They're not. They're I mean, not. Meaning, no, we, uh, we, we worked with this uh, wonderful company, uh, Boxel, um, who are based, um, I believe, I mean, I know they're in, in Mexico, but I, the, the city escapes me, but uh, we always had two representatives on set from Boxel who would be our consultants, if you will, or, you know, I mean, they were the, the liaison from what we were doing on set to how it was eventually going to be done. And so what I realized too was, as I was setting it up, because the fairies are so frantic in their movement and stuff, I could tell them, like, like okay, I want Cosmo, what I'm doing here, Cosmo's going to fly, he's going to land on Timmy's shoulder, and then Timmy's going to kind of pat him on the back. And he would look at that, and it was wonderful. He'd have an iPad, he could sketch it. He'd take a, he'd take a, a, a shot of the live action and yeah. I'd see him turn around, he'd go like this. And I'm and I was like, okay, like this. And he turns the pad around. There's my my two shot, if you will, with an animated Cosmo, Wanda, Timmy, played by Caleb, putting his hands on him. So um, you got real time um, uh, rushes, if you will, um, that showed where, how the animation would work. So, but to answer your question, it was in reverse. We couldn't huh. lock our live action is a, it's a, it's a process that hopefully allows itself for moments of this isn't working. We can try this or, you know, that kind of thing. And that's where they were just Boxel was invaluable being there because if we did have to make a change, um, they would be able to relay that back to, you know, the mothership (laughs) Mason where they were all animating. So, um, um, but it gave you, I'll say this too, because we did it in reverse because we weren't locked with storyboards necessarily when we could get into editing because the fairies weren't put in yet, sometimes a shot would work maybe with a different composition. Mm. Um, we, our brilliant editor, Andrew Hirsch, uh, we'd have conversations after shooting it. And he's like, well, you know, with this shot I had, I could have the fairies move like this and that might tell the story better. You know, So again, back to teamwork, um, what makes the best show. And um, you have a lot of freedom that way when you're, uh, when you're doing it with live action. Um, but you're right. To the other point, when you're just doing pure animation, once that train leaves the station, you're you're kind of yeah. yeah I mean, I'm wondering you know, what's the experience like after shooting a scene and then getting it back from the animation department. <laughs> what is that experience it's, for you like? Sometimes you're like, ah, that's what it's going to look like because you can only have it in your head. Yeah. What the fairies are going to do, or what Jen and Dre would be flying them around. But once once they appeared on screen and they're you know their their wands are glowing and. They would like right now, if I'm looking at you and Cosmo went around your head, the glow of his fairiness, his f- being a fairy, would the glow would come around your head. It's so would you, real. 
Yeah, would you actually have like a light in scene or would you do that all nope. after effects? The genius of Voxel. No, the uh, brilliance of animation, you know? So what was, the, what, was, what was the most difficult thing? You know, you've been through a lot of TV shows. What was the most challenging other than, I guess what you just described? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that was the most challenging. What was the most, uh, maybe a different challenging thing that you weren't expecting when you when you um, got in the thick of this project? Um, I, I think it's it's the ability to, I, it, it's kind of what I just talked about. And also I think it's what we saw very early on was because the fairies are such a, an important part of the story and have such an interaction with the, um, the cast, the, you know, the, the kids, it was really trying to come up with a way to capture that, that cadence and that rhythm of the way Chris and Sam were writing and, and the, the writers yeah. real time. So it worked, you know, there's, um, um, there's a director and, um, uh, Hollywood uh, that uh, does a lot of multi-camera sitcoms and legend is he doesn't look at the monitors. He just closes his eyes and listens to the cadence of the lines because comedy is comedy is a very choreographed dance, you know, and, and lines are written in such a way. There's a boom, 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 laugh, boom, boom, boom. And in order for the kids to understand that cadence, you, we had to figure that part out of it is how to make the animation and the voices and the characters yeah. as real as they could be in the scene. Was, and um, was, was there, to add to that, you know, Fairly Odd Parents is already an established show for many years. It, ha it already has its writing style and the joke style and everything. Did you have to kind of take that kind of acting that was already in and, and the storytelling and transfer it to live action or were you taking a completely different approach? I think, you know, back to, Chris and Sam, I, I say they're, they're genius of the show. And I don't, and I don't use that word, by the way, um, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of hyperbole, but I, I truly don't throw that word away. I would, writing is an amazing, an amazing skill set. Uh, I mean, I can write, but certainly not. I mean, I just am amazed. Like whenever I get my first scripts, I'm always just like, man, how do they, how do they think of this? And not only think of it, I mean, look, we can all sit around and go, oh, I got this great idea. Okay, well, here is a blank piece of paper. Take your pencil and take that idea and write out 48 pages. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, that's, wow. You know, I mean, I've tried to do that. And, you know, guess what? Five hours later, I've written fade in. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's hard. So to answer that question, what Chris and Sam did, the genius of what they did was they were able to take the energy what Butch Harmon did with, with the Fairly Odd Parents show. Part of what made it so much fun was just the way the, you know, it moved like a lightning, you know, and just the, uh, the movements, the jokes, the dialogue. And Chris and Sam were able to take that energy and put it into a live action environment and still paste it well that it doesn't make the viewer nauseous with it going so fast um, that you can get away with an animation. Animation is a very different type of thing. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not privy to the writer's room necessarily. I don't spend all the hours that they do. But my answer to that would be that's the genius of what they did. They were able to incorporate, you know, when you watch the show, I feel you, you, you get that sense, that, that energy of the fairies and what they're doing and the magic and the poops and everything. But at the same time, you still slow it down the way they did. And at its core, it's, you know, it's a show about heart. It's about, you know, an outside girl, Viv, who moves in and has to start this new life in this crazy town. And then with, you know, fairly odd parents. 
and has a new stepbrother, has a new stepmother and has to, you know, amalgamate into her family. You know, the show, if the show is about amalgamating animation with live action, it's also at its core, it's about how do you, you know, families are made up of all kinds of different things. And in our case, it's, you know, stepmoms and stepbrothers and, and then steps, you know, I mean, it's, um, that's the, the, the heart that drives the, the story. The Fairly Odd Parents help with that. But it almost feels like day, the heart that's driving your story from just talking about your career and how, you know, the democracy and everybody's a hero and it's made up of so many yeah. parts. It kind of mimics that. It's really, it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I love that. I, I you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I watch movies or when I think about like my favorite movies or favorite TV shows, I generally drill in on the moments that made it so great. You know, uh, you know, you can talk about the show in general and just say, oh, you know, um, great movie, but why was it a great movie? Oh, that one scene, that moment when he turned and the camera came around and he said this. And you feel those resonate. Yes, you uh, feel something, uh, whether it's laughter, tears, maybe it makes totally. you angry, maybe it makes you want to, you get out of the theater and you want to go do something about it, you know, but that's what hopefully what we do um, in entertainment is not only entertain, but, you know, sometimes inspire, maybe even educate, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. And I think with the Fairly Odd Parents, not only do you have a hell of a good time watching these kids try to deal with these crazy fairies and all these wishes. But you also see that, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you move to a new city and yeah. maybe you don't know everybody and you got to walk in and now you have this new stepbrother and you got to meet your new stepmom and, and, um, and that's okay. You know, because as long as, you know, the family is together and there's love and, and, uh, you know, support and all that, then, that's a great thing too. And I, 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 I leaned into, especially I directed the finale of it. And we had this, Chris and Sam wrote this wonderful scene at the end where the family's all sitting on the couch together. And the father turns and says, can you ever remember a time when we weren't a family? And to me, that was the 13 episode journey Wow, was to see, hopefully by the time you get to episode 13, you indeed go, can I even remember a time when they all weren't a family and close, you know, so that's, that's part of the, the journey. Oh, that's so nice. That's, I, I don't even know what to ask anymore. I feel like that's a good, that's a good <laughs> way to wrap it up. I mean, why don't I ask you this? You know, we started off by talking about your, you know, journalism and getting into your career as an actor and then reinventing yourself and finding new opportunities and developing this love for directing and stage management, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you also said you've been in this, you're, you're a staple now. How does it feel now sitting here this moment? looking back at all this, just like the father said, you know, can you remember a time we were at a family, you know, how does can Mike I, feel now about directing and, and where he's going and where he's been? I, <laughs> uh, I guess in the, in the times, you know, Hollywood's a funny business because everything has to be what leads to the next job. Right. So everything that you're doing, because, because we're a, a, a freelance business, which has made my, journey a little more unique is that I've been able to stay in a particular place for as long as I have. A lot of people work on 150, 200 shows in a lifetime. Um, but I do think I look back, I'm a big, I don't know about you, but I, I, I always have this, um, this, uh, this, this vision of if you could go back and tap your younger self, right? It's such a, it's such a powerful dramatic narrative, yeah. the, the ability to go back and tap 14 year old Mike and sitting in the theater and going, you know, you can do this. Um, I'll tell you this. I, the moment where I had that 
um, just incredibly grateful, thankful feeling and everything else is, I, I told you earlier, I, I, I produce and also direct uh, Danger Force. And Chris uh, called me up one day. He's like, hey, listen, um, we're writing in um, this uh, villain producer. And we all were in the room and we think you'd we think you'd be good at that. And I'm like, what villain? He's like, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think it'd be a great part for you. Audition. And I was like, first of all, I was like, what do you mean audition? I don't have the part. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. Well, we audition, I'll audition. So I came out here in my office and had my wife set up the camera and, and I got my sides printed um, and I auditioned and sent it to casting and uh, they gave me the part. So I played um, this character named Deuce Van Eyes who was this diabolical Hollywood producer using Danger Force to um, um, achieve his evil end. Um, but I will tell you this, the, the first day, and I directed that episode. So my first scene, I was sitting in a van. I was, I was a, a, a passenger seat in a van with all the other villains. And I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the seat and um, uh, incredibly, my, my best friend and um, our camera coordinator and also uh, fellow director, Russ, Reinzel was, he was calling the shots and he's like, okay, Mike, I think we're good. You know, I, I looked at the shots and I was like, okay, well, let's do it. And so I hear Robin go, okay, we're rolling. And I hear the bell and Molly comes out with the slate. And from my seat in the van, I look over and I see the slate and it says, you know, directed by Mike Karen, director of photography, Michael Spotnik. And I, 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 I was like, wow, how lucky. How lucky am I to, yeah. to sit here and, you know, direct the show, also be an actor, something that 13 year old me would have, you know, would have loved. And uh, it, it was just a, it was a lovely moment, you know, to, to, to get there and, and not like as a, and not as a, an individual achievement, because I look out and I see my friend Robin, who's calling the rolling. I, I see my, my dear friend Russ, who's going to then say action. I, I see Chris behind the monitor smiling like this, like, oh, my God, Mike's on camera. And I had my glasses off for the character. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you look so different with your glasses, you know. And so, um, but it was, the, it was the ability to do that surrounded by all my, my coworkers and my friends. And wow. that's what made it so, um, that, what made that moment so fantastic. And um, so, so to answer that question, you know, I, for all of our listeners and listening to this is, you know, I know it's, you know, my dreams come true and Hollywood, you know, from pretty woman, right. You know, Hollywood's the city where doll dreams come true. And, you know, I, I encourage everyone dream. It's okay. Dream. Some your dreams are going to go in different directions. And sometimes the dream may not be exactly what you thought it was going to be, but dream big and work hard to get there. And, and, you know, God bless you. Hopefully you have moments like I was able to enjoy, um, you know, that aha moment of like, wow, this is great. You know, and of course I, there's tons of pictures. I could send them to my parents. I could send them to my parents to say, thank you. Thank you for, you know, not when I call to say, oh, I'm going to go to journalism, not going, no, 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 no. We're paying for college. You get a degree, you know, um, which they very well could have. Uh, and they did not. They chose to they they just loved and supported me so um you yeah. know that's well that's well thank you for sharing that moment that's so that's so special and and also congratulations that you know i feel like it's those rare moments that you know at least for me in animation that i live for and and you can't yeah. really 
you can't really make them happen. And if you force it, it's not the same. And they just, you know, it's just, they just happen because you're putting yourself out there and doing something you love and the world is giving that back to you. And I think that's amazing. Um, you know, well, as a wrap. Oh, oh go ahead. I'm so sorry. I, interrupted. I was just going to say, as we're wrapping up, you know, is there any, is there anything else you'd like to share, you know, for anybody listening, any last final piece of advice or anything like that? I would say, because I get this question a lot from um, my, my social media. Um, yeah. And if you don't mind, let me just, I'd, I'd like to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Only, only not like, hey, follow me on social media. I, I don't mean like that, but I, I mean, <clears throat> part of why I got into social media, because I never, it just did not a, a, a appeal to me. I just was always like, uh, I'm, I'm more of a private kind of person. But, but it did occur to me, especially on Henry Danger, when we were doing Henry Danger, the cast was so um, special and unique in that we just all had so much fun doing what we did. Yeah. And we just goof off all day long and play practical jokes and pranks. And it occurred to me that there's a lot of kids who love our shows that will never have a chance to come to the Burbank studios and meet these actors or whatever. So I, it hit me. I'm like, well, what if I start filming these things or taking fun photographs and I can post it that way kids and what I did not know at the time, all over the world could, could tap into that. And, in, you know, a show that they watch in Germany, uh, Ukraine, uh, they watch them in Brazil. Brazilian uh, fans are amazingly passionate about Henry Danger. And as I would put these on my social, these kids were just like, oh, my God, that's, you know, they had so much fun watching the fun we had. Yeah. Um, so um, that's the reason I got into this, the social media and continue to do it as much as I, I do, because. Never forget, everyone listening, that we work in a business that without an audience, it don't matter. We do not make shows in a vacuum. We do not produce movies in a vacuum. If our fans, supporters, do not tune into the streaming, if they don't click your channel, if they don't post about it and everything else, you don't get to do the show. So never forget the fans and you know, who you're making this show for. Um, and again, back to the paycheck. I know, I know we're, we're all making our paycheck, but never forget that that's, that it's, a, it's a dual process, you know? I mean, it's awfully hard to act in an empty theater and it's awfully hard to do a show with no one watching. So, um, so for all you listening, uh, you know, be very aware of that, um, that you, what you are doing in that little studio, wherever you're doing it, you, your voice echoes around the world believe it or not. I mean, it's crazy. And also whatever job you get, whatever it is in Hollywood, more often than not, your first job is not going to be what you graduated from college or what you aspired, what you thought would be. Do the best you can. Do the best you can at it. I don't care if you're scrubbing the floors of the universal lobby, scrub them, make them shine. And when people walk by and you're talking and you know, without being rude, obviously ask questions. You will be, people have a a crazy capacity to want to help is, you know, if you engage them that way or ask advice, that's why these podcasts are so much fun because we get to have these, these conversations. And hopefully someone listening to this goes, maybe I was either inspired by it or I learned something from it, but um, that's, I tell you all, yes, that's what I tell you all to do (laughs) is, is do the best you can because you never know who's going to recognize it and where that could lead, you know? And, um, and then, you know, as far as actors and writers and everything else, 
That's why I said about writing. You want to be a writer? Get this out and start writing. Yeah. You want to yeah. be an actor? Get your phone out, put it on a tripod or whatever. Start acting. Get your friends together. You know, that phone, you can film, you can write a script, you can totally. film your script, you can edit your script, you can distribute your script, all with all with this. So do it, you know, do it. You know, they might just be horrifically bad. <laughs> and someday you'll look back at it because now everything lives forever and be like, As you oh, should look God. back on it and, and it's yes. be like, well, I've improved a lot. That's how it should be. <laughs> yes, but by doing it, you just said the key word. You improve, you learn something. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing happens. I always say, you know, that someone can open a door for you, but guess what? You walk through, exactly. you know, yeah. you gotta go, you gotta go in there and, and, and do what you gotta do. So anyway, that's, that's my long, I hope I, that wasn't preachy. I just, I just, um, no, it was great. I that's mean, just we, coming I, from someone who's been around you, long enough. You dropped so much. I'm, I'm really happy we chatted. You, you know, I, I loved hearing your story. You, that whole wisdom drop at the end was great. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I just love your mentality of how you're approaching your career, which I think shines through with just our talk, you know, uh, the whole everybody can be a hero. This is a big team. I love how, you know, if obviously, if you go to your social media, like TikTok or whatever, you can instantly see how everybody's just having a good time because you post all these behind the scenes, whatever. Um, so I just I just love that you're also thinking about who's watching it and whatnot. So. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, this was a nice chat. I'm really happy about well, it. Well, no, and thank you to you. I mean, you know, we were talking before this started and in your story, you know, you were like, well, I just sort of started this as a thing and all, all of a sudden it, it blew up. And well, because what you're doing, obviously you're doing it well, <laughs> you know, or else people oh, would, you. again, podcast. No, I'm, I'm always good. amazed that, you know, who's actually listening to this and watching this, you know, I get messages every once in a while saying, you know, so-and-so inspired me or actually reached out to this person and uh, so many random connections and people have gotten jobs through just listening to this and reaching out, which I think is amazing. And I want to keep this going yes. for as long as I can. Eventually I'll just have to talk to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So, well, anyways, um, you know, I, I want to be conscious of your time, but you know, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, I hope you and en you enjoyed this as well. <laughs> Oh, I, 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 I love it. I mean, I, I, um, I, anytime you get to look, we get to talk about what we love to do. So yeah. why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, it's, a uh, it's a wonderful thing that we can do with the voice of the media that Hollywood provide, you know, whether it be a podcast, a show, TV show, you know, and it's, um, it's an, it's an, uh, and again, here I am, you know, uh, a little further down the road going, you know, when I was, when I first got here going, man, that guy or that woman, they're old, 25 years in the business. How old are they? Don't start thinking well, like that. <laughs> now I know because I'm sitting here saying what they said to me and I'm going, Hey kid, you know, but, uh, but I'm just privileged enough to be able to do that. My gosh, you know, uh, thank you for allowing me to, uh, thank you for giving me a, um, you know, the medium to sit of here and course, talk with you. Course. So thank thank you, you so much, Mike. And if you're listening and you, of course, check out Fairly Odd Parents, Fairly Otter on Paramount+. Yes. Plus. And uh, you can also follow Mike's social media. I'll include his Instagram, his Twitter, and his TikTok on, in the description of this podcast. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.